Why the startled look? Uh, you're wearing a hoodie. Uh, well, sort of very, very loose hoodie, loose red hoodie over your earphones. Yeah. And you're wearing the darker glasses, mm-hmm. little unshaven. Yeah. A little, yeah. little like DJ Unabomber this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the look exactly the look that I was going for. Um so yeah, I uh it's cold. The the temperature has dropped by a significant amount. I was I'm I'm shocked because just the other night I was sitting out outdoors at a bar enjoying a balmy evening and then the next day it was this is probably why actually the front was pushing all the warm air in front of it, whatever warm air was left and now it's about 50 degrees out and I was too lazy to turn the heat on in the in the studio, so I'm wearing a hoodie. Well, your your uh, the little room that I see your r- recording studio, music room, yes. writing room. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Uh, other end of the room is the writing room. Looks like it's about a ten by ten cabin. <laughs> let me let me see the picture here. It's uh, oh, uh, I clicked on the little it? photo of myself, and instead of uh, enlarging, it went away. Is that supposed no. to happen? Um, view. I don't know. Here I am. Oh man, none of this makes any sense. Uh, yeah. So I can't see what you see then, but I can tell you that um, it's pretty. It's it's maybe ten by twenty. It's a nice big room. So it's double the Unabomber's shed, but it does seem to have lots of notes, lots <laughs> yeah, of true things posted up. There it looks may, like uh, there may it's be manifesti by a very neat madman. <laughs> <laughs> a fussy madman. Uh, lots of windows uh, to uh, uh, so you could see the, uh, the the troops advancing on you. Uh, looks remote. Looking out the window, looks like a remote location. There aren't many people uh, less worth um, invading than me. I don't know. <laughs> You cajole publishers into publishing your screeds. It's true. It's true. My, uh, my manifestos. You attended an a Ivy League institution, continue to work at one. Yeah. Then your brother turned you in. Oh, my God. He would, too. That guy. He did. He turned you in. <laughs> um, uh, how did I end up having how, – how has my life ended up uh, so inextricably, inextricably intertwined with the Ivy League. <laughs> I don't understand how that happened. Uh, you went. You did you? Uh, let, let me go, let me go back in time. Let's go back in time to like eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. Okay. What, did you, did you go to middle school, or junior high. Um, I went to middle school. So middle high school, school started at grade nine. Okay. So eighth grade. What's the name of the middle school? Um, Warren Glen School. Where was the place outside of Warren Glen that you would go to smoke pot? Uh, already, already, we're our, you we're, wouldn't know we're because achieving you were working the, hard on your classes. Exactly, exactly. There's <laughs> you were attending how. classes. Yeah. <laughs> Where was the place that if you if you uh, skipped out on on uh, pre algebra, you could go play video games? Where was the nearest Dig Dug? Frank and Nick's Pizza. That one I can oh, yeah? answer. Yeah, Frank yeah. and Nick's Pizza. Though I wouldn't, I didn't cut school. I, I, I was just, I would have gotten my. What would have happened is my parents would have cried. <laughs> they would have wept if I'd ever cut yeah. school. I did once. I did. I cut school a little bit when I was a senior, 
Um, I'm, I at least once I took a I took a girl out to the airport and we watched planes take off. That was kind of fun. But um, if I'd what been airport? a real rebel, I would have gotten on one. Yeah. yeah. Do airplanes fly directly into Phelpsburg, New Jersey? Uh, no, but they fly into nearby Allentown. Oh. And that's where we went. Jen Gano. Jen Gano. She was you cool. Crossed, you crossed the state border for ostensibly <laughs> sexual purposes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Except, except we didn't have any sex. We just okay. sat there. I, I, uh, I actually was thinking of her the other day. I didn't keep in touch with this this woman, and um, I, I, I hope she's having a good life wherever she is. But because um, I liked her a lot, but uh, I went. It was with her that I did something for the first time, and maybe the last time. And it is this. Oh, Read about a band coming to town in the paper. Um, had never heard a note they'd played. Thought they sounded good in description. And took her... Our first date was to this show and it at Lafayette College, which is the college across the river from Phillipsburg. And it was Scruffy the Cat, which oh. remained one of my all-time favorite bands. And, I, and my friend Pete Weiss... Uh, who's a recording engineer and musician who lives uh, in Boston and Vermont, has a uh, recording studio in Vermont. Wonderful guy. And he's, you know, we, we see each other when, when we're touring with our various literary and musical acts. Uh, he uh, spearheaded the reissue of the complete Scruffy the Cat catalog, and it came out a couple of weeks ago. And it's great. That music was wonderful. And Charlie Chesterman died way too young. Um, but... Uh, but it's funny to look back and think that how, because at the time I thought, oh, this is this is what you do. You just go to a show and it's great and you have a wonderful time. But of course, it turns out that that's it was kind of a fluke, and most bands are yeah. terrible. It's not that all shows must be great because this one was great. Yeah, exactly. I read about it in the paper. Yeah, and I went to it. I it wouldn't wouldn't be in the newspaper if it weren't excellent. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. Yeah, so Jen uh, Goodno, good now. Gano, G A N O, I think it was. Jen Gano. Gano, oh. Gano. I think it didn't work out cuz I was on the rebound from something and she she had a thing for somebody else I think who, who wasn't available. So An airline pilot. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> or a stewardess. A steward, yeah. an air steward. A steward. Steward. Uh yeah so um yeah that's what's with the hoodie I'm not trying to unibomber it up you know I was in I was in Montana when that all went down I told so was you. I oh that's right you were too so was I Anne McGlynn's boyfriend who was uh-huh. a photographer Anne was a classmate of well, she was young a year below me I don't know who's younger or older but she was a year below me yeah I knew her a little graduate program uh she, her the fellow that she was seeing. Uh, was a photographer for the Cayman, ah, of Montana course, Cayman, and uh, noticed uh, phalanx of official-looking cars driving out of town, and on a reporter's hunch, followed it in his scruffy college reporter's car, and uh, was the first person to snap a picture of the Unabomber because yep. they were uh, they were heading not to arrest him; he'd already been arrested that morning. Uh, uh, but he was being arraigned in the Lincoln County courthouse or mm-hmm. wherever it was. 
No, it was Lincoln. Um, it was Lincoln County. Lincoln, town of Lincoln, certainly. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the, the, the photo of him, you know, his perp walk. Yeah. Uh, he was the only photographer there. And he yeah. Took the picture I, I vaguely and remember. paid off that. all of his college loans with it. Sold yeah, it to he, the AP for like $35,000. It was on the cover of Time magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember that because there was later an interview with him about how he, and I guess he had a compatriot, a friend who was driving the car or something, and they um, they figured that the re- the way they caught him, the, the way they caught the shot was that they figured that after this long drive, he would he would have to have gone to the bathroom, so they'd have to stop in the bathroom, and that's where they they camped out. Oh, was that they, right? They got him heading down the hall at the I don't know was it, and all the reporters were at the Seven Up Bar. I remember uh, uh, I was working at the art museum at the time, and our curator, uh, Steve Glukert, was from that part of Montana and knew the area very well and would actually f- found it like a highly entertaining and eccentric place and would had talked about it a fair amount. And when I found out that the, <laughs> it all, he'd been in Lincoln and all the reporters were camped out at the 7-Up, uh, he was out at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, when he comes in, I am I'm the one who gets to tell him. Uh and he's gonna be so happy. And sure enough, he walks in the door and I was like, Hey, they found the Unabomber. And he says, Where? And I said, Lincoln. <laughs> that was so great. That was so great. The Have better you had- version of that story is that he never comes back and he was the Unabomber. <laughs> This is the young the young clerk at the art museum is so excited, <laughs> so thrilled, <laughs> mounting tension. Um, but he waits. He waits through his through his lunch, his own lunch break. He waits through his coffee break. He oh. pees himself because he doesn't want to lose. He stays late for work. Midnight comes around. <laughs> realizes. Oh, write that story, Ed. That's a good one. It's all vanity. <laughs> Have you ever had the experience of getting to be the one to tell someone unbelievably good news? Oh. I'm sure you've no, had to tell I've, people I've been, bad I've been, news. I've been the person to tell somebody incredibly bad news. Yeah. Um, and it's almost the same feeling, <laughs> which is kind of sick. Yeah. It's almost the same feeling to tell somebody exciting bad news as it is exciting good news. Well, you're about to shake them up. You're about to you're about to affect a change on their life that uh you have a power, an extraordinary power that you didn't yeah. moments before. It's uh, it's kind of ugly, really. Yeah. yeah. In both cases, John. Sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> so, were you saying that it was good news that the Unabomber it is good news that the Unabomber yeah. was caught. No, and it was yeah. exciting because he had the bad bomber. Yeah, that's good news. Yeah, yeah, but also it's like a crazy cultural phenomenon as well. And the fact that that this guy was not only in Montana but in Lincoln was so. It's just it's just another oh it's another wonderful bit of lore to add to the goofy culture yeah. of that part of the of the world. He was a collector. He was already a connoisseur of Lincoln Lincolniana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You remember that was an, that was an odd year. Uh, it was the same year as the bombing of the uh, Oklahoma City yeah. uh, Federal Center, uh, <laughs> but also just further along that same highway, Highway Four, I think, Highway Ten, Highway Ten that goes through from Missoula to Lincoln, mm-hmm. uh, continues down the Rocky Mountain front 
out into uh, the plains of Montana to the little town where the freemen were holding up in a kind of oh, siege. Right. These tax uh, uh, tax avoiding uh, secessionists, maybe they're trying to secede, or they had their proponents of some legal theorem which indi- indicated that they could just opt out of everything. Yeah, uh, because guns. Yep, that was the. I think that was the rationale. <clears throat> they were a thing for a while, but they never reached the. They never reached the kind of um, fame that this uh, recent dude, the Bundy guy, has achieved. I don't think was he was the were the Freeman a national phenomenon? Yeah, yeah. Were there they? was a standoff. There was a standoff. Oh, all right. There's always a goddamn standoff. No, That's they what they're in it for. They're in. Bundan. They're not. They're not. These people are not secessionists. They are. They're standoffians. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I think the the sad, the sad fact is that the, the, some of the some of the big marquee standoffs of the last twenty years have been very unfortunate, um, tragic misunderstandings of, of one side or the other. The Branch Davidians. Yeah, of course. In, that in Waco very ugly um, and very different from as it was reported. Didn't have to happen. Uh, the standoff in Ruby Ridge that uh, Jess Walter wrote uh, a, a journalistic book about um, just didn't have didn't have to go down that way. Well, Ferguson yeah. should, should the the rioting and, and protest in Ferguson should have been much calmer. And it's like all it's like no one remembers the lessons of these things that um, you know shows of aggressive force just make things worse typically. Yeah, there's a folly in a madness to it to guns and power turns out guns and power uh don't always lead people to uh, rational decision making is that's that your what t- this podcast is able to bring into the world that idea that, that maybe guns and power don't always lead to rational decision making i'm i smell a ted talk uh but it's not because my, my arms aren't folded <laughs> and you can't see my dick Ah, uh, I see. So, hey, they're did always you see- standing? They're always standing in TED talks, right? They're always standing and gesturing with their hands, you know, tight-fitting pants. I've never actually seen a TED talk, so I, I'm just guessing. I've seen a couple. That's a tight pant. Um, Sorry. I I must say the the handful I've watched, I have not. I can't recall the the pants situation. You don't remember anyone's pants. From no. any TED talk that you've no. seen, <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it is a kind of a peculiar blind spot, actually. But you remember their hands, right? <laughs> I think the instruction is do a lot with your hands. Yeah, I think and, you're right. Uh, and fold your arms some. Do fold your arms <laughs> when you're like bringing in a point, and then mm-hmm. when you're connecting ideas, reach out and grab those ideas. Tie them together in a knot. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, I'm glad you mentioned. Um, as is often the case, I, f- I come into these podcast recording sessions thinking that I have nothing to talk about. And then, of course, you, you remind me of all kinds of interesting things, and then I talk about them. And here's one. Um, there's a, a great uh, web series uh, called Guitar Moves. Guitar Moves. And... Yeah. Um, it's sponsored by, I don't know, Vice Magazine or something, but it's basically this guy, um, who is it? Matt, Matt Sweeney. Guitarist. Oh, I've, I've yeah. heard about Matt Sweeney, who is one of my guitar heroes. 
Yeah. If I played, I'd be more persuasive. But Matt Sweeney behind one of my favorite neglected bands, Skunk. Yeah, you sent me a cassette with a bunch of skunk on it once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I liked it. It's very uh, great. It's a great was he album. In, uh, was he in Chavez? Chavez, and yeah. then he was in he was in a, a, a very brief Axl Rose supergroup. No, a Billy Corgan supergroup. <laughs> really? Where Billy Corgan had hired uh, Sweeney and oh James Eho, who's no, he was already a already already a, a Corgonian. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh oh oh, uh, another like Chicago guitarist, maybe from Tortoise or one of those groups. Awesome Chicago hip guitarist. Two really fantastic indie guitarists. Is it right? Zwan? Zwan. Zwan, yeah. Yeah. To, and then he said some words in front of it. And it was yeah. a it was a big splash. It was it was sort of the Zima of of uh, independent <laughs> rock. <laughs> oh. Um yeah, well, he, anyway, he's he hosts this web series called Guitar Moves, and they're you know ten or twelve minute interviews with uh, with indie guitarists, basically, and um, among them are let's see, Le- Leroy Troy, uh, Albert Hammond. Uh, oh, they got they got uh, Billy Gibbons and Kid Rock on one of them. Dan Auerbach, so a lot of pretty prominent mm-hmm. guitar players. And this uh, episode six is with Dean Ween. And who's very funny, of course, and a great guitarist. So they they sit and play guitar for a while, and they play their favorite licks, and they sort of jam and talk about playing guitar. So he asked. So Dean Ween was talking about um, uh, giving guitar lessons, and uh, he's and Matt Sweeney says to him, uh, and I'll put it in the put it in the notes. Uh, what's the be- what's the most important lesson you ever learned from from one of your teachers? And he said that his guitar teacher told him. You hold. You either hold your guitar above your dick or below your dick, but never on top of your dick. And obviously, that's where exactly where I hold it is on top of my dick. Right, 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 right. The shield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking, if I had to go one way Protective or the other, protective device. Yeah, yeah. because a prophylactic, I don't wanna... really. <laughs> that's why I'm a goddamn writer because they give you a podium, <laughs> they give you a lectern. Yeah. You know, I don't want I don't want exposure. You'll do anything that you can stand behind. <laughs> exactly. You'll be, you'll be a, a a saxophonist in a big band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with a big glittery pedestal with a musical note on it. A big old treble clef in glitter. <laughs> you'll be a guy who puts his face through uh like one of those uh uh, uh uh, sort of diorama things at Coney Island. <laughs> it turns you into a mermaid. You do that for hours. All they can see is your face. Yep. Yep. But uh, but then I thought, I was I was telling Rian this, and she's like, well, who the hell holds it below their dick? That's really low for a guitar. And the only, the answer that I came up with was Dave Perner of Soul Asylum. Dave Perner. He's got he's got maybe the lowest guitar stance I've ever seen. Like he's got to have, uh, uh, he's got to have abnormally long arms to be able to do this, to do the yeah. thing he does. Like an orangutan. Yeah. 
Um, it seems like my memory is that uh, uh, the bassist for the Nirvana band held his bass very low, but he was a oh, very yeah. tall person. Yeah, Chris Novoselic. Yeah. Let's 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 look him up. Let's look at a picture of him playing the uh, playing the bass guitar and uh, see if we're right about that. Well, that's interesting. It's all it's all headshots. Why isn't he playing the bass guitar in these photographs? What the hell? Not safe for work. <laughs> there, there we go. Yeah, it's super low. It's what you know. He's playing a um, he's playing a Gibson <clears throat> like what is it like a Firebird bass, and the upper bout there is actually reaching up. It's almost as if it was designed for the low slinger to cover his mm-hmm. dick. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, gosh, he looks just like uh, Kent Mortimer, the drummer from my band in college, in this photo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I recommend this series. It's very funny. Um, and S- Sweeney's a great host. He's so kind of uh, louche and affects not giving a shit, but is actually being extraordinarily funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I also recommend people tracking down his album Skunk, or this, mm-hmm. the band Skunk. Are they in print? Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it very much. They weren't in print, I don't think, when it was released. Um, They're on Twin Tone. Um, Last American Virgin and Laid. Both uh, Laid. sexual Laid references, I see. Yeah, they're very, they're very loose albums. Yeah. Uh, as you use the word. Um, they're incredible albums. Laid in particular. One of the best, a uh, top ten rock and roll record. Wow. Top 10 rock and roll record. Yeah. I rank that very highly. Um, on my top 10 list, it includes five or 600 records, of course, but my elastic top 10. But it's, a, ex- it's pretty solid in the top 10. This is extraordinary, what I've just found, Ed. Um, you can get this record from Twin Tone, but it is on... Uh, I'll, I'll link to it. It's on a page on the Twin Tone... Um, the Twin Tone site that seems to have been coded in about 1998. And um, it says you can add it to your cart and you can buy it. It says you can purchase a copy of this project burned to a custom CD from Twin Tone Digital. <laughs> from, from someone's computer in the Twin Tone office who still has it. <laughs> from, the, from, the, from the jackass who impertinently hangs on to this project <laughs> as the rest of the label has moved on. Amazing. He'll hum it to you. Call this number and he will hum it directly into your ear. This actually the whole the whole Twin Tone website is extraordinary. It's it's like um it's it says last updated February 2014, but it clearly it ha- it really hasn't been touched. It's just it's just uh, stuck in time. This is great. Um, it says, while now that iTunes offers downloads without DRM, we're adding much of the catalog to the Apple Store. Watch over the next few months as more and more become available. March 2009. <laughs> but it does. It looks like Skunk might actually be on there. I'm clicking the link. Let's see. iTunes. No. Oh, wait, wait. Laid is on iTunes. Laid is on iTunes. I am not kidding. It is. I'm going to buy it. You won't be, uh, you won't be angry with yourself. No, I've, I have, um, I think I still have the, uh, 
I think I still have the cassette, but yeah. um, but I haven't uh, haven't listened to it in ages. Solid record. <clears throat> so, and uh, I think that only people in Manhattan, Kansas, um, in 1992, um, listened to it. Really? Yeah. Several people who have met Sweeney over the years have said, you know, you got to know this late album, the skunk album was highly influential. It was anthemic to the rock scene in Manhattan, Kansas, and in certain precincts of Lawrence, Kansas, um, and maybe one dude in Kansas City, uh, you know, intensely during an, an intense and flourishing period of, of uh, actually very good, a lot of musicians. Um, and uh, it seemed like he didn't know what they were talking about because it had <laughs> <laughs> the album had made so little difference to anybody, including him, that, <laughs> that it was uh, uh, an unlikely story. Um, I love the the um, the song titles are all either misspelled or they're they're like set similar. Like there's beauty calls, and then two songs later is beauty crawls. Yeah, yeah, beauty calls. Is- they're both beauty crawls off the walls. Yeah. Oh my God, this is great. I'm so I'm so glad. What's track to see this four? Is... Track four is always very solid. It's called the best. The best. The best is the best. Yeah. Yeah. That is the best rock song. <laughs> okay. So just, uh, just, the, the, they had, the song had a different name, and then the rock gods decided that it was the best song, and they just relabeled it the best. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I am now scheduled to return to Lawrence. Very good. Very good. You'll get to see the new library. Yeah, I'm excited. And Brad, uh, Brad tells me there's now a recording a studio in the basement yeah. of the library. Yeah. And it, he he called it the on, the America's only socialist recording studio, and it's called yeah. Sound and Vision after the presumably after the Bowie record. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go tour the studio. He actually said if you want to record anything while you're here, and I had said no because I really just want to chill and read in coffee shops and see you know have a drink with with Brad and all the other people I, I like in Lawrence. But um, but now that I'm thinking about it, maybe this is an opportunity I can't pass up. Maybe I should go in yeah. there and cut a song or two. Yeah, give it a workout. Yeah, yeah, I think it's incredible. And I don't, have you, I don't know have if you seen the it? Plans have you been before. To it? No, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, um, Brad moved back to Lawrence from here to take over the project. While after it had been approved, before construction had begun. Yeah. Um, and then it just opened. Um, I saw it in April. When I mean, the outside of it was mostly done, but I haven't haven't been in. They've had the grand opening since. I'm going to be in Kansas next week, but I don't oh, think yeah. I'll get to see Lawrence except um, the the outline of Mount Oread as I drive, as I whisk myself between Kansas City and Topeka. Uh, I'm I went to the the Lawrence Public Library. I'm at this. I'm at the site, the website, but it doesn't. Uh, seem to say oh library services doesn't say anything about um indie rock demos oh sound and vision studio tours this is a thing mm-hmm. our staff will give you a tour of our of your new sound plus vision studio and answer any questions you have about the creative powerhouse in the lawrence public library basement get to know what professional tools will be at your disposal and schedule a time to start your next project uh, this is a this is genius yeah it's, it's a good use of libraries. 
It really is. Yeah. I mean, what a great idea. So is is Brad uh, is Brad like house engineer or is this is this someone else's project? I don't know. He's the director of the library. Yeah. So, um, I doubt that I doubt that this big important man has the time to be an engineer <laughs> as much as he'd like to. Yeah. Although it, it might be that he is. Yeah, it might. Uh, be. There are plenty of people around Lawrence who know their way around a recording studio. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, sometimes. To deleterious effects, but um, yeah. Well, I've surprised even myself at how excited I am that I'm that they've invited me back for another reading. I'd hoped to meet uh, Patricia Lockwood while I was there, but it looks like she's going to be in New York at a reading. But her husband will be in town, so I'm hoping to uh, get to meet him uh, and see some of the nice folks I met a couple of years ago. I'm sure that they'll be there, excited to to see you again. Lawrence I think it's a great town. Eric McHenry might be there, might come to your reading. He's a new resident of Lawrence. Excellent. I don't think Luke. I've met him uh, in real life. Oh, no. Eric Mc... <laughs> Of course I have. Well, yeah. which, 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 which one have you met? You've met Eric Henry. A- Eric Henry's the one I've met. Okay. Right. He came up and played Pedal Steel for us. Of course. At the Lunchbox uh, bumper shoot. So my there. initial instinct was right. It's Eric McHenry I have not met. Right, Eric, Eric Henry moved out of Lawrence about a year ago uh, to make room for Eric McHenry. Really? Uh, who just moved to Lawrence. Um, so, who is so about that's not to, confusing at all. To his wife is about to give birth to their son, Eric Von Henry. <laughs> McHenry Ren Arquanus. <laughs> so what do I need to know about this? the other... Uh, this the the, the next the other Eric. tracks? No, 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 no. The, On the, the late album? No. Eric. What do I need to know about Eric before I go to Lawrence? Or oh, my Eric McHenry's a fine poet. All right. You can find his books, his book Pot Scrubber Lullabies, available from Wayweiser Press, the British and American um, publisher. And his children's his book of children's poems, um, uh, Mommy Daddy Evan Sage, um, illustrated by not Alex Garland, but his father, who is the artist who does a lot of the things for the Times Literary Supplement, maybe. Really? Uh, did a bunch of woodcuts for the book. So are you Alex Garland, the novelist? I think I'm... I, it, it, it fell off my tongue so easily that I think that it's true. Alex Garland, the novelist's father, is a uh, artist. Got it. For maybe not the Times Literary Supplement, but something like that. Something hey. else unavailable in the states. <laughs> I'm, I've <laughs> got you to, work for sometimes. <laughs> I've got uh, Pascarbo lullabies on the on my screen here, so I'll put in a link for people. I should tell you, speaking of books of poetry that you mentioned on the podcast, I got my copy of um, of the uh, Alfred Starr Hamilton collection, which I've enjoyed dipping into. But mostly, Rian has swiped it and is keeping it in her bag for reading wherever she happens to go. And where she happened to go the other night was out to dinner with, among other people, Michael Cook, the editor of Epic Magazine. Uh-huh. And I said, by the way, what does the name Alfred Starr Hamilton mean to you? And he said, oh my. And Rian pulled the book out of her bag, what happened to be with her, and it was passed around the table. And the story of Alfred Starr Hamilton was shared by all. So thank you How for How long has he been um, at the magazine? 
uh since the late 70s early 80s oh, okay. he's been yeah so he it was yeah. The, the Hamilton era was after was before Michael's time, but he knew the previous editor who published him and uh, was aware of the whole phenomenon. So he's been he's been editor of Epic maybe twenty five thirty years maybe. Yeah, he was aware of the, uh, the the recent resurgence of interest. Actually, no, he really. Wasn't. So he seemed to be taken by surprise and was uh, seemed pleased to see it. This is what all all all, all, all the uh, most many of the poets I know are. are absorbing this Alfred Starr Hamilton stuff, <laughs> yeah. which is new, new to almost everybody that yeah. I you know, my acquaintance. Um, it's a, it's a, <clears throat> a discovery that we're all uh, trying to adjust to because it's strange <laughs> and exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's settling over our house as well. And now that, now that autumn seems to have arrived, we've got the, we've got the fire going, we're curling up on the sofa with little Alfred Starr Hamilton and, and taking it all in. Yeah, very good. Hey, I'm um, going to send you um, today, I think. I just decided. I was sitting on the couch earlier, and I decided that I'm going to send you that uh, manuscript of strange short things that I've promised you and Alice. You guys have said you would read. So I'm doing it. And Rian has read my novel as well. Did she? Res- she told you about it. Yeah. Here's here is her, here is her uh, here is her opening gambit. She said, "The writing is great, the characters are great, and the story is great." But, and then she talked for an hour. So I I got some excellent ideas from her. I'm very excited actually, and she's she was more well disposed toward it than I expected, and um, seemed to. Seemed to suggest some things that would connect some. She's she filled in missing pieces for me, so um, I have one other reader whose opinion I'm waiting on. But I I think I have a good plan going forward. Very good. That's good. That's a, you were uh, you're anticipating her response. Yeah. Much as someone waiting for the Unabomber to come back to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and uh, now you can move forward. I can. I feel that I can. It's it's great weight has been lifted. How much more time do you think before what time you do I think uh, what? on this uh, this draft before you integrate these new ideas? Uh, uh, I I think awesome. I will be sending. With any luck, I'll be sending to my literary agent in January. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you might take another year or longer after this point. In my experience with you and your 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 methods, yeah. But I, I, the sooner I get it under the care of Ethan at Gray Wolf, presumably Gray Wolf will want to publish it. I hope they do. And uh, and Ethan, who the occasion for this dinner I'm describing was that Ethan was in town along with a couple of other industry people uh, for a our annual shop talk event that we hold for the benefit of our, mostly our graduate students, um, who talk about publishing, the business of publishing. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so, um, and uh, I don't get to see Ethan very often. He's a great book editor, and he's, he, I've, I guess we've done four books together. So, um, and it's at a point where I can, I can send a more rough draft than I would have to an editor 10 years ago. I can yeah. send, send to him with That's confidence nice. that, I can do those those drafts I would otherwise have done by myself uh, with him. Yeah. 
Here's something Rips. that was said at this event, by the way, and I didn't think to um, to uh, was, was the it. event dinner or was the event the uh, talking? The event is the talking. It was a panel discussion in the afternoon, followed by a, a you know the faculty takes people out to dinner. Were there uh, any snacks at the at the discussion? Yeah, there's a reception after the discussion, and there's various kinds of pot stickers and. Crazy you have to things. wait through the discussion before you get to the snacks. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Just try but to get a picture up. If you're on the list to go to dinner, you 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 have to you have to stand around with people who are eating the snacks and don't eat and not eat the snacks so that you can enjoy the dinner. Right, but at least and you know that you'll be eating that night. It's true, unlike yeah. some people in the world. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry to take you out of your bubble of privilege, asshole. But some people don't know where their next meal is coming from. That's what I was driving at. <laughs> oh, poor man. You got to watch people eat because you can't eat for another half an hour. So, um,. According to Stephanie Vaughn, my colleague, short story writer of great renown, who was moderating this event, and who was, I must say, as moderator of this conversation the other day, was en fuego. She was incredibly funny uh, and asked good questions of the, of the participants. She said that Stephen Crane paid people, as, as a marketing trick, paid people to read the Red Badge of Courage on the New York City subway. <laughs> pretty good yeah so i'm and she insisted it's true and then later she said well maybe it wasn't the red badge of courage maybe it was a different book it might um, have been the earlier book i think it might have been um uh the girl of the streets maggie a girl of the streets that he published when he was 19 i think okay maybe i think red badge of courage by that point he had enough of a name that he didn't need he was, a, he was a sensation. But I think oh, this Maggie, is crazy. You know, yeah. what's, you know what's happened here? Uh, I've Googled Stephen Crane and New York City Subway, and all I'm getting is Bernard Getz because that was the judge's name, Stephen Crane. Freaky. Isn't it? But there is some. There is a few few results here about Stephen Crane, but we'll see. Yeah, you're probably Bernard right. Bernard Getz, was, I think, was kind of a... I picture him with a hoodie. Yeah? Maybe. It seems like, in, uh, again, the difference between the news as it was reported at the time and as things came out, that he had gone down into the subway with the intention of shooting, of, 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 of being a, uh, provoking an attack and shooting yeah. somebody, rather than just, oh, I was on the subway and I happened to have my gun. Right. Lucky thing, I happened to have my gun. My trusty old gun right here with me on the subway. <laughs> Well, well so, so that's the thing that was said at the uh, at the event. Yeah, this yeah. Is I, Steve history. I wrote down a bunch of funny things that people said, but that my notebook's not with me. That's a thing that I might have I might have brought into this session, this recording session, with me, but I did not because I'm an Stephen irresponsible. Crane is an interesting, interesting guy. Interesting guy. Died at died at twenty six. Yeah, I think. Um. And that's interesting. Who he didn't jump off of a boat. That was that was Hart Crane. Hart Crane, thank you. Hart, Hart Crane. Crane. 
Stephen Crane had his trouble with boats. <laughs> he did? <laughs> it was a reporter um, coming back from the uh, American-Cuban War. His uh, ship was sunk. And, uh, that is trouble. And he had to... Uh, 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 he was in a lifeboat for a couple of days with some other people from the boat, and they managed to get to shore. Not everybody lived, and he wrote about it journalistically. And then he wrote the masterful short story, um, Star Wars. After that, the open boat. You know the open boat. You've read it. You've taught it, probably, right? I have not taught it. Uh, you ever I read, read it, it years ago, though? It's a great yeah, a story. long time ago. The Stephen Crane stories hold the fuck up. The Blue Hotel, uh, the open boat. They're really incredible. I think. I haven't read him since college. I ought. Yeah. I'll tell you who else I haven't read since college and who am I who I whom I am reading right now, and that is Jane Austen. Oh. And that lady can snark. She can snark him up. She's a good accountant. Uh, yeah. Learned, well you seem to always know exactly how much money people have in Jane Austen. Yeah, well it's it was it's important in the world of Jane Austen. Um but uh the just just her her she never lets you forget that all, that everyone on earth is acting in crass self-interest and are making fools of themselves at all times. Yeah. And I I like that. I find that very funny. Good to be reminded. Yeah. Well, we're going I'm going to it's it's I'm reading it for my uh, book group and I have a feeling there's there's going to be some naysayers tomorrow at the meeting. I think anti-Austenians may may crawl out of the out of the woodwork. Where does that phrase come from? What crawls out of the woodwork? Termites? Yeah, termites are bugs of various kinds, I think. Especially when the wood woodwork was maybe more rough-hewn and anything could be hiding in there. Spiders. Unabombers. <laughs> you beat me to it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, are, you, are you all reading all of Austin for the book group? Or well, is the, the idea board? is... The idea is that we will read all of Austin, but I have I have a feeling uh, I have a feeling that, that there will be protests against that. But I this is the group that you all you read all of Shakespeare with, right? Yeah, yeah. And we're mm. re- the plan is now to return and read Ulysses again because only Brian and Brian Hall and I are the only people who were in the group at the time that we read the first time that we read Ulysses. That was fifteen years ago. Close to it, yeah, twelve maybe. Um, but I think I'm ready for another another round of, of Ulysses. You 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 make a you know have it your way face. Yeah, read Ulysses. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you an, are you anti Ulyssesian? I I just I've never never succeeded with it. Yeah. And, you know the first the first one of the first serious books I ever tried to read was Finnegan's Wake. Oh no! Because it was on a friend's bookshelf, and there was a companion volume to it. So I thought, well, this is difficult, but with this companion volume, um, I can make my way through it. Which of course just made it worse. <laughs> I was you're just still to one crazy person talk about what another crazy person was saying. Right. You're still then you then you then you're grappling with the question of why why you're yeah. reading either one of these books. Yeah. Well, I love Finnegan's Wake. Because what I had to, what I did was, you know, sixteen years old is what I did is I just read it aloud. Oh, you know, most of it, and and encountered a beauty that it was unfamiliar uh, and striking mm-hmm. uh, to me. 
Anna is a great place to start as a serious, as a reader. Yeah. I don't understand it, but I, I felt it. And, uh, and you, it's sort of like the difference between acid and mushrooms. I felt like uh, Finnegan's Wake. I, I sort of like, um, uh, like uh, the full immersion, you yeah. know, uh, uh, and sort of risking everything rather than just a little pleasant um, uh, little vacation. And I so thought you, that uh, Finnegan's Wake is, is, is a, a full immersion, risking everything. Um, uh, and uh, and U- U- Ulysses, uh, a mere pleasant vacation All right, uh, which, along the which, same lines. Which drug is which? Which one is um, the acid? You know, of course, I'm just speaking from anecdote. You um, haven't done acid or mushrooms? Uh I don't. I don't. Don't know what you're talking about. I've but, done. I've done neither. I'm not. I'm. This right, is. Right, really, this is. This is a podcast and not just a conversation over the telephone. Um, oh, and you're and you're unemployed, <laughs> and I have tenure. <laughs> um, uh, I think. Uh, uh, well, Finnegan's Wake is is the more uh, immersive. They both, of course, this is it's a bullshit approach critically because they're both <laughs> incredibly, uh, incredibly. Uh, rich, textured, complicated texts, but I'm already uh, declining you honors in my in my mind. Finnegan's I mean, Wake is madness. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's it's incomprehensible. Um, you know, in the way that the Ulysses is comprehensible, right? Difficult, comprehensible. Um, Finnegan's Wake, I think, is is pretty much just all surface. Yeah, or whatever. The, well, the connection between the surface and the depths is 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 unbridgeable. I think, but uh, but it's a, a, a gorgeous surface, okay. which was enough to encounter. I was uh, explaining. I, there was some some time many years ago where Rain was out of town, and it was when we were still living in our old house, so we could walk into College Town for a for a meal. And I took my walked with my kids there, and was sitting with them and was talking about uh, literature. One of them had tried to read something and found it hard, and uh, I said, "Well, some literature is so hard it just." Def- it defies almost all efforts to understand it, and uh, you can't really read it in the conventional sense. And they said, like what? And I said, well, Finnegan's Wake. And then I called up – well, this couldn't have been that long ago. I called it up on my – because I, I had a cell phone. I called it up on my phone, and I just read aloud just a random page from Finnegan's Wake. And the kids were astonished, utterly astonished. They could not believe that a thing like that could be written and – published between hardcovers and they were delighted by it but i actually think that just hearing about the existence of finnegan's wake had an influence on their idea of of what creative pursuits could consist of yeah 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 uh, the way that the looking at uh the grand canyon gives you a sense of of what uh uh time and geo of what the earth can consist of what a what a miserable son of a bitch you actually are! <laughs> I actually was I was ac- actually was telling people at the uh, reception the other day that um, that I was working on Ulysses fan fiction, which is just <laughs> Molly and Bloom just fucking for chapter after chapter. Yeah, finally, they finally discover that how hot they are for each other. It's a big will they or won't they? Finally, finally uh, resolved yeah. for the for the they will. Yeah, the first one is called the first uh, volume of this is called is going to be called Ulysses Two. You like it? I do. No, you don't. Well, I mean, it has its 
(laughs) Will it deliver, you know, is one of the questions that one (laughs) is faced with. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to write songs this week. I'm not trying to write Ulysses. Yeah, you told me you'd you'd uh, you'd signed on for uh, uh, some songwriting um, without songwriting. even knowing if you'd be able to pull it off. So how's it going? Don't know if I'm gonna be able to pull it off, but I, I have lots of pages of lines and, and some melodies in my head. If I can, I was hoping to to have these songs written ish by this bluegrass festival I'm going to next week, so that I could. Kind of play them with my friends and hone them. Yeah. But I don't I don't think they'll be in shape for that. But hopefully by October seventeenth. But so I I drew up a, a list of a playlist of the best songs ever. Um really that are in the vein of what I'm trying to do, which is uh, songs that are kind of uh, clear and uh narrative, narrative stories, ballady type things. Would you like to share uh, them with me, Ed? Would you like to um, drag this list into the into the Skype call so that I can view it? Is yeah, that a thing you can do? I wonder what the easiest way is to, to do it. Can I share? I have it in iTunes. I don't know how how one shares things. I don't know how to do anything about anything. I wish there was some way I could do it's, a it, thing. Yeah, it's iTunes sucks. It's kind of hard to share anything out of it. But um, why don't you just tell it me used what to be some better. of the songs are? Anyway, I'll, um, uh, there's a Steve Forbert's song for Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, John Prine's Bruised Orange. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Norman Blake's Church Street Blues. Tom Waits's tune, The Cold, Cold Ground. Uh, Tom T. Hall's The Year That Clayton Delaney Died. I don't know that one. It's a good one. Yeah. Tom T. Hall. That's great. Uh, again, Steve Forbert's Romeo's tune, his big radio hit. Uh, Alex McMurray's band, The Tin Men, his song Turn My Lights Back On, which, which a man is standing in a bucket um, working on the lights, and he's sad because his, uh, uh, his girlfriend's leaving him. And then... Uh, he hears the the, the 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 foreman who's down on the ground. Uh, his phone rings, and he's he's she realizes that he's leaving him for the foreman. Oh! And so he decides to uh, uh, just tie all these wires into a knot and black out the city. Um, oh! Everybody is screaming at him. Turn my lights back on. And at the end, he says, "You might you might say it was a nightmare. You might think it was a dream." Uh, you know, he's just watching all the neighborhoods go down one by one, and they're never coming back. Wow, that's so childish. Yeah. Uh, a couple of Roger Miller tunes. Yeah. Uh, Lou's Got the Flu, which we talked about. <laughs> yeah, we recently. did. Um, and uh, My Uncle Used to Love Me, But She Died, which is a great song. <laughs> Do you know this one? No. My Uncle Used to Love Me, But She Died. A chicken ain't a chicken till it's licking good and fried. Keep on the sunny side. My uncle used to love me, but she died. Yeah, I gotta find that. I Hamburger, cup of coffee, lettuce, and tomato. Two times a dime to see the man kiss the alligator one more time for free. Around the Ferris wheel ride. My uncle used to love me, but she died. All right, I'll put this in the notes. That's good. That's good lyrics. 
it seems to be a, a, a naive um, trying to describe a more mature experience, uh, kind of like another, um, uh, which is a nice dramatic and rhetorical position. You have a character who doesn't really understand what he's seeing and trying to describe it. Like uh, another song on my list, Mama Told Me Not to Come by Randy Newman. Yeah. Which seems to be a rube at a Hollywood party. Um, you know, just bewildered. And it's never explained why he's there. But it's clear that his mother had advised him against entering the world of experience. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a liminal, a liminal sort of narrative, kind of like Araby. Uh, All right. The Joy story, right? Uh, the, the song in which the, the character is naive but seems to have some glimmer of, of their foolishness and, and the sense that once they understand that their vain shadows in a world of vanity, they can begin to get some command over themselves. Would you call the song with a uh, with a naive narrator uh, a subgenre of of American songcraft? <laughs> By the way, what is on, what is written on your coffee mug? I notice it has a lot of text on it, a lot of print. Uh, I got it for uh, Christmas from my brother in law. It's just a bunch of first lines of from books. Oh. That's, I like that idea. Yeah. Marley was dead to begin with. Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. For a long time, I went to bed early. I don't know what that's from. I should. <laughs> it was love at first sight. What's that, the first line, too? That I don't know. Catch 22. Really? The first sentence is, it was love at first sight, and then that's never referred to again. Are are you serious that you you don't know what for a long time I went to bed early? No, I'm joking. All right, joke. good, good, good. Um, yeah, it was love at first sight, and it's never referred to. It's sort of like the the beginning of Madame Bovary. Yeah. Um, we have a narrator. Like I remember when Charles Bovary came into my classroom. You know, <laughs> me and the other boys, we you know we thought this of him, and then we never hear from that. That speaker never comes back. <laughs> Uh, Tear-Stained Letter by Richard Thompson. Oh, good. Uh, the nice one. Uh, In a Ditch by the Scud Mountain Boys. Oh, God, I love that tune. Remember the Scud Mountain Boys? So they're, so they're so grim. They came to Missoula, they played their entire album in order, exactly the way they recorded it, and then they <laughs> left. Nice. I can't remember, is that one of the Pernice Brothers? Were they? Yeah. I think the were the band. part of this kind of I like I like the Pernice Brothers stuff too, but um, I feel like it. There's something so almost naively grim about the Scud Mountain Boys that um, that they seem to have left behind them. I am a po- I, I love the Scud Mountain Boys. I am opposed to the Pernice Brothers. Oh. on this on this point, um, a friend of mine, one of the loveliest people on earth, uh, for the purposes of this story, I won't name. All right, uh, dated a friend of theirs. Um, and then when they broke up, the Pernice brothers used um, my friend's, uh, like a recording, like a message that she left um, on an album and made her sound foolish. Oh, that's not cool. So fuck those guys. Yeah, that's not, that's not cool at all. Hmm. What, what was the circumstance? Very juvenile. Very juvenile. At this point, everybody was like, you know, in their 30s. 
you know? Yeah. I suppose they were trying to make their friend feel better, but. Uh, some holy modal rounders. Of course. Sweet Lucy and uh, oh, the Slurf yeah. song. <laughs> You're sticking um, with Hurley. Sticking with Hurley, yeah, because the Stamfel's voice, you can only take so much of, really. <laughs> Come, won't you walk with me, Griselda? <laughs> it's, 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 like a, it's like a horror movie. You, don't, you only need to see it once. You only need to see Halloween once to get the impact, <laughs> you know. All right, so um, so, um, but song. I want I, I'd like to hear I'd like to hear you talk about the the process of of writing the songs. Yeah, you know, how's it going? Uh, uh, well, it's mostly uh, it's it's trying trying to figure out um, how 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 to do it, how it's so different from poetry, yeah. except that the, the it requires some linguistic concentration. You have to make some choices in a song in a way that you don't necessarily have to make choices in a poem. At least mm-hmm. the kind of songs that I'm trying to write, which were songs that I'm going to play once for an, an audience um, and then probably never play again. So I want them to be, you know, uh, clear um, and to have, have a, a point. So, you know, I want them to have a character and I want there to be a d- dramatic situation um, and I want it, um, you know, I want, the, I want a story to be told or evoked. Are you playing? Are you playing these on a guitar or a banjo? Um, I think I'll. I'm going to do five songs, and I'll probably do some of them on a guitar, some of them on banjo, and probably have my friend Sam play um, like a little shuffly snare drum along with it. I have a suggestion. Uh, no, 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 no. The suggestion is this: that you uh, find a way to come to Lawrence on November sixth. And seventh, and uh, we we uh, record your songs at the Lawrence Public Library Socialist Recording Studio. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea. Just a thought. November. Uh, it's, a, it's a possibility. Always, it's always a possibility, John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to yeah. see you a few days later, but um, yeah, but it'll be no, kind of fun to do in, in people, Lawrence. Dad's always happy to see me. I think. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I want these songs to to be as I was listening, going down this list of songs that that came to mind. About sixty songs listening to them. Um, I realized that what what drew me to these songs, what I admire about them, in addition to them, oh, you know, they're they're good songs. The music's good, um, the structures, you know, um, but they're songs that find hidden value in overlooked moments, or okay. overlooked things, or overlooked people. Yeah, songs that find the, the hidden value over, which is a lot like. You know, a, a way of looking at poetry, right? The sure. brief, the Retke said, a brief glimpse at overlooked things. You know, um, I like that. It's I, I, uh, I wish fiction were better at doing that because I, I, I delight in, in things that are not being noticed, but that yeah. have, but that are compelling in the moment. Yeah, that seems like a, a, a good use of one's creative skills and time is to yeah. try to point towards things that are valuable that that have um, that people haven't noticed or have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like a I like thrift stores and junk stores. 
kind of like uh, taking the thrift store and turning it into a museum. Yeah, very very good. Like uh, uh, like Marcus Wolf's nonprofit museum, for instance, which was which was beautiful, and we yep. can't go back. No, because it's a gas station. Um, no. Want to hear can't. the want to hear the rest of the list really quick? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I got loaded by Tab Benoit, a swamp pop anthem. Mm-hmm. Bosler by Jalen Crossland, Bosler, Wyoming. I dream of a trailer in Bosler, Wyoming, with tires on the roof, dear, and you by my side. We can pitch horseshoes at Stray Cats on Sunday. I dream of Bosler when I close my eyes. Nice. Um, King of Broken Hearts by Jim Lauderdale. Um, it's Raining by Irma Thomas. Mm-hmm. Iolanthe by James McMurtry. Uh, 14 Carat Mind by Bobby Bear as done by the Okra All-Stars. Another sadly neglected uh, group with uh, a side, a countryside project of Dave Schramm's, I believe. Oh. For All-Stars. The Schramm's. The Schramm's. Solid band. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. I remember listening to the Schramm's uh, at uh, 201 Kensington in Missoula when I lived with uh, Mary Park, yeah. who was a Schrammite. Go Schramm's. Yeah. Uh, well, there's other ones, other things. Yeah. You, I, could you send me the, the the full list? Maybe screenshot it out of iTunes or something, and I'll uh, maybe yeah. I'll I'll buy the ones I don't have and just put it in a little uh, make a little album for myself. Yeah, I think you. I think you'll like these. I think you may have heard them, and it's possible that you uh, you noticed them once but overlooked them. All right, yeah. you you have a look on your face like you're referring to a specific time I heard them and am now over. No, just that, that 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 maybe I will bring you by by reminding you of these songs, reminding of you of the value of some overlooked things. You are get you are giving me the very experience that the songs themselves are. Yes, that's good. That's good. And it's a pleasure, right? It's a pleasure. Of course. It's a pleasant feeling. Uh, I went down. I know we're trying to tie up. I went down to Portland this week unexpectedly. Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. What'd you do there? Uh, stayed away from my current house while they painted it. They uh, sort of oh. surprised us on Monday. They said that they were going to paint the house this week, which was going to involve some, um, you know, some blasting of some paint away in a in a mm-hmm. uh, an atmosphere probably of lead chips. So yep. we thought that the the toddler might this might be healthier uh, away from it. Are you renting or do you own this house? Renting. Yeah, so so right. you you have a little less uh, ability to decide when these things happen, I am Zero. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, good, good reason to escape to Portland. What'd you do there? The, the in-laws are in Turkey for the month. Oh. And so we stayed at the, at the house, the in-laws' house, and uh, just sort of uh, lived as Portlandites for three days. Went, went to Oaks. Oaks Park Amusement Park yeah. in the Milwaukee neighborhood of, of Portland, um, which had a toddler morning. So for seven fifty, uh kids under six could had the run of the place. Yeah. Um and so the only rides running were those that, you know, short shorties could could, could ride on. And there were some uh some there's a person with a limp dressed up as a chipmunk, which <laughs> For some reason, seems proved alluring to the toddlers. <laughs> I was a little wary. Um, 
It's hard. It's, it's, it's amazing. You could tell that this person was hungover, even in a full body costume. <laughs> of course you could. Yes. There's no disguising it. No disguising. I, you know, someone who has that job is bound and has to do it in the morning is hungover. You don't yeah. you you don't have that job and not get drunk the night before toddler morning at the anyway, but go on. In the same way that you one might wonder how they became entwined with Ivy League exactly. Uh, institutions. Exactly. One may reflect how did I get tied up with uh, a full body chipmunk costume institutions? <laughs> and then remember, oh yeah. It started early. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the sorting starts early. <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, I had a great time. Uh, Oaks Park Amusement uh, Center, or whatever it is. Um, it's got, it's been there since the, the teens, you know. It's, it's along the riverside. And it's got an old uh, roller rink and rickety small roller coasters. Uh, we had a great time. Poland is so nice. I'm, I'm visiting the website now, and I'm presented with a, uh, a picture marked Oktoberfest in which a pretty woman is um, clinking glasses with a weird-looking dude. Yeah. That's pretty much what, what it is. Yeah. The whole thing seems a little German. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> a little, you know, a little, little too much, probably. Touch of the Deutsch. Touch of the door. Yeah. Oh, there's the chipmunk. I'm I'm looking at him now. Yeah, Chipper, I think is his name. Oh my god. When he comes back, I'll screenshot him. Oh, for the <laughs> All right, I'm back to the weird looking dude. Um yeah, I uh I mean it's, it's gonna be it's, the the images are going by too fast, so I can't I can't, <laughs> can't uh, absorb them really. It's Although like you're on a carousel. Kind kind of kind of it is, yeah. Blown out candles, somebody on a a, a vomity spinning ride. Hold on, hold on. There's a really, uh, there's a picture. It's marked Dance Pavilion, but it looks like the photographer. Uh, oh shit, I did the wrong thing. Um, it looks like the photographer uh, is ha- had fallen unconscious, and when he or she hit the <laughs> ground, the the uh, camera continued clicking as yeah. as the monsters got to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, but this sounded like the beginning of a story. So what did you what what ended up happening there? Oh, the, I, was, I was working up to the uh, the limping, hungover um, chipmunk man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a nice time. So I visited the offices of Tavern Books while I was in Portland. Yeah, my friend Carl Adam Schick's uh, small poetry press devoted to rescuing neglected um, works. Yeah, and we're republishing them, and their office is in the old train station, on the third floor, um, in a, a little room in this historic old building. Um, Lovely. And I took I took uh, Oscar with me, who I presented as their new intern. That they, <laughs> I said the sorting starts early. I thought you know, yeah, time to get a jump. <laughs> All the other preschoolers and get a, a publishing internship. Two and a half. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> Beautiful books, Tavern Books makes. Hold on, I'm gonna, gotta, gotta look at them on the internet there. Yeah, Tavern Books. All right. How could you tell that I it had not sunk in and that I had not found it on the internet yet? How did you know? 
Because you, you kept, had, had, had you kept saying what? you kept saying tavern books as though I had not absorbed it. <laughs> and it was, just, you were giving habit, me time yeah. to absorb it, and but you were and you were right. Tavern books, John. John, tavern books. T a v e r. I got it. I got it here. R a r a n. Oh, and as long I, we do have to wrap up, but I uh, but I should mention that one of the one of the people um, I'll put this in the notes too. Um, one of the people who was uh, a guest at Cornell to speak to our students this uh, this week was John Hennessy. Do you know him? Yeah, he's yeah. The, the poetry editor of the Common, which is a relatively new magazine. Um, that uh, I see he brought a bunch of copies, and it's a it's a really nice print magazine if you would like to buy it. But if you just want to read it online, you may do it for free, and that's a big part of their philosophy. And John, as well as being a, a, a gentle and gently sardonic uh, man, you don't really realize how funny he is until about ten minutes into a conversation, and then you realize the, those ten minutes have been hilarious, and you and you and it's only dawning on you now. He um, he also looks like. An almost flawless cross between my father and though he's only a little bit older than I am, my father and Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> and, when I, and I called Rian, I was like, you know, where do you meet this guy? He's like a cross between my dad and Odenkirk. And then she shows up to dinner and she's like, my God, you're right. So, but he was, he was a lovely person and he, he was extremely enthusiastic about people submitting to the common and said that he reads every single submission, every one of them. Something he may live to regret, but um, yeah, but that's what he says. The common, very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this sucker up and pick some titles, friend. All right. Good talking to you. Yeah. Likewise. Same time next week. I uh, uh, hope that it warms up there. Yeah. It's, it's eighty degrees in Seattle. Really? We're our summer continues unabated. Keep uh, keep a little bit uh, in reserve for my impending book tour visit. I'll do what I can. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye, John. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with Ed and John. That's right. It's time for love